Are you looking for something different to entertain your kids? Check out a new podcast for children. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, is a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. Math is geared towards kids six and up, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. I love how the episodes are under 20 minutes, which was perfect for our drive to school. And my four-year-old really loved the episode, The Pirate Queen. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and so much more. New episodes drop every Thursday, and I love how engaging, funny, and educational the episodes are. Your kids won't even realize they're learning about math and problem solving. My son even said he wanted to finish the episode on our drive home from school. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to this episode. I am so excited to welcome Dr. Siggy. She is a developmental therapist working with children and families. She is on Instagram as Dr. Siggy, S-I-G-G-I-E, where she shares so much information on how we can parent our children and understand child behavior and development a little bit more. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Siggy. Thank you so much for having me, Mona. I'm so excited. I love your account and you know, you have so much to talk about, but we are talking about a common question I get asked about biting, hitting, and throwing. So well, that's what we're going to be discussing today. But before we begin, tell me more about yourself and why you started your Instagram account. The reason for the Instagram is because I did feel that I have a lot to share with more people than I can obviously see in my office. I always had this sense that there's more people out there I can reach. And obviously, social media is a wonderful platform for that, that I think we all can enjoy. So that was the reason. I also was working on a course that I was uh, beginning to develop so I can, um, once again, reach out so many more people through that course. And the Instagram platform was allowing me to get to know a lot of people, for a lot of people to get to know me, so I can then introduce my course. And I'm happy that it's been a wonderful experience um, being able to reach out so many people and for them mainly to reach back to me. I'm like in awe of that each and every time. Oh, that's so great. And I'm so glad that I found your account. Also, um, you know, as a pediatrician, it's just so important to hear other people's perspective. You know, obviously I have my own training and expertise, but it's just you never can learn enough, in my opinion, um, sure. and learn from experts that are specialized in a certain niche, right? So for me, it's been so great to follow you and the way you talk about certain things um, resonates so well with me as a pediatrician and also having a toddler. Um, so I really appreciate you wanting to share your expertise with a broader group of people. It means so much as someone who's doing something similar um, with child health and wellness. I, it's exactly why I started my Instagram. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Um, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so we are talking about biting, hitting, throwing. Like I said already, there were so many topics we could talk about, but this was one that commonly gets asked on my, um, you know, story questions or whenever people are asking me. So let's talk about development first. Like developmentally, why do kids do these behaviors, and is it ever considered normal for them to, let's example, throw or bite or hit? 
Yes, absolutely. So obviously, we, we're not going to say it's normal for a four-year-old to do that, maybe not even a three-and-a-half-year-old, but 100% it is normal for toddlers to be doing it. So anytime they're between the ages of 14, 16 months, all the way to 26 months, even a little older, it is very normal and typical behavior. Saying that doesn't mean that we are accepting and allowing and sort of like saying, oh, it will pass. We do want to intervene. We do want to do something. For most of them, they do attempt that a couple of times and then they move on. But for the ones that actually don't do the move on naturally, we want to help and intervene even if we say it's normal and typical. So knowing that it's normal and typical, I completely agree with that. We still want to find ways to remedy it so it doesn't become an issue when the child's three, four years old and also helping them work with those emotions and work with those actions. How can we navigate these behaviors as parents? Let's maybe use the throwing example. Um, things that we can do in the moment, things that we can do later. What are some of your general tips? Right. So we want to understand, first of all, that when we say it's normal and typical, it is part of natural development. But where they are at that point in life is that language, cognitive, obviously, and intellect is progressing, but not as fast as emotions. So at this point, there are emotion or their emotional capacity is really growing, but their ability to explain and express it is still very limited. Mm -hmm. So this is why using anything that is physical, primal, right? These are primal behaviors. They're instant. They're quick. They get a reaction. They get the job done, right? Quote unquote for the child. So we want to understand where it's coming from the inability to take the moment to regulate, to understand what it is that I'm feeling and then express it in any other way except for that instant action of throwing, biting, pushing and pulling is where we want to intervene. So back to understanding the child has some need to express an emotion, whatever it is. Sometimes it's just an attempt even of some physical behavior. They are learning to use their body and they're learning to use all the different parts of their body. So it's very uh, reactive. It's very impulsive. Still, we want to be able to recognize that this is where they're coming from. So then we can do something about it. So what does it mean in action? Throwing by itself is not necessarily bad. They have muscles, their muscles are growing, their muscles need to be active, right? So throwing by itself is a good thing. But mm -hmm. Throwing a toy car at me when you're angry or just throwing it across the room, not okay, because there is an appropriate place and object to throw as opposed to not. So we say, whoa, throwing, wow, look at you, throwing is a good thing, but yeah, no, we're not going to throw the toy car. This is not for throwing. So we recognize the action that the child is needing or generating and expressing it, in this case, in an inappropriate way. We recognize it. But then we specify, we define exactly where and how and what this action is appropriate and not. 
That's great tips. Um, and would that same thing apply for like um, abiding behavior, hitting behavior? I know we talked about throwing. Absolutely. So the typical thing, and I hear it often, is a parent will say, no, don't throw. That's not okay. Throwing is not okay, which is actually not true. Throwing mm-hmm. is okay. But you're right. Throwing the toy car across the room is not okay. Parents will say, why are you biting me? Right? Questioning a toddler. To begin with, they can't actually quite explain and express how they're feeling. So obviously they're not going to respond to that question. So it becomes sort of like a rhetorical question. Why are you biting me? And they will say, you know, that's not nice. You're hurting me. Why are you pulling my hair? And so on. So once again, we want to place the behavior within its appropriateness. The child has an action that to begin with is not necessarily bad, but in the way in which they're expressing it is definitely not. So biting, wow, look at you, you have great teeth. Uh Uh-uh, can't bite me. We don't bite people, but what can we bite? So now you provide an alternative. You provide an expression, an outlet that is actually appropriate for that particular action without um, diminishing it, without reprimanding the child for a behavior that they're not fully aware of, Um, in the moment that they're executing it, obviously, and you are providing a positive alternative and outlet for what it is that they want to do without shame and doubt. I love that. And sometimes we may see that a child or a parent will say, you know, they don't do this at home, but the school or daycare is saying that they're biting at school. So in that situation where maybe the parent is not seeing it or the guardian, but it's happening at school, how can a parent remedy the biting situation when they're not physically seeing the biting happen? Um, Is it reaffirming when they can bite? Like how can they navigate that situation? So definitely they can do that. They can randomly talk to the child in situations where they are actually using their teeth, right? Mm -hmm. So they're eating and they can say, look at you using your teeth to bite the sandwich, the apple, the chicken. This is very good. You have great teeth. So we are actually, in this case, placing it with the appropriate uh, setting and even promoting it. But then we can now use the other situation as a frame of reference of what not to do with our teeth. So yeah, earlier you were, remember, you went to daycare this morning and then you wanted to bite or maybe you did, Michael, right? Yeah, that was not okay. Mm -hmm. And Michael was crying and the teacher was saying, no, not okay. So we don't bite people, but we can bite what? And now you can even bring the child into that conversation. So include them. What can we bite? Yeah, we can bite. You're right. You have an apple right here or you got, you know, your orange or your chicken. Yeah, good job. You can bite that. You have great teeth and that's what they're for. Biting people, biting Michael at school. No, not okay. That would be one thing to strengthen um, that idea where a parent can do that at home. Now, I do think that the school needs to also intervene in the correct kind of way. So obviously, you know, if this one particular child beat another child at school, the other child is crying, there's a lot of commotion around it. We're now grabbing one child. No, that's not okay. So the school needs to 100% for a, a while. And usually it doesn't take too much to undo this behavior if you stay on top of it and you correct it 
often before it actually happens. So I know the teachers have a lot to do. And when there's a whole bunch of toddlers, it's chaotic. But hopefully you don't have too many biters all at the same time. You usually just have one. So a teacher has to be closer to that one particular child and help and stop it before it happens. So right then and there, it's like about to happen because they want a toy, right? And one child, and they grab it or they bite in order to get that toy from someone who's very close to them. So they need to be there to stop it before it happens right then and there, because that's when actually we can promote success before the failure, right? Before it even happens. So a teacher will say, whoa, uh uh-uh, no, I can see you want the toy and that's okay, but we're not going to bite Michael. We're going to wait for our turn. We're going to use our words and say, can I have the toy and so on and so forth. So bring in language, bring in cognition to allow the child to recognize that they have to communicate that way. And when we help them communicate that way, we're also helping them progress to the next level of socialization, which is to be inclusive, right? When I bite someone, I only think of me. But Mm -hmm. when I use my words, I am now recognizing that someone else has to be included in the conversation, which is very important. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code pedsdoc that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c
Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Oh, these are such great tips. And, you know, I'm sure in your experience, obviously with all of your work, you know, in, in real life, but also on social media with educating people, what do you think you see, you know, your opinion is the biggest mistake or maybe error. And I think it's rightfully so maybe just parents don't know biggest mistake they make when they're trying to eliminate or work with these behaviors, if any? Rhetorical questioning and Mm. a lot of placing themselves in the situation as if making the child, you know, feel bad. And I'm just going to say it lightly is going to change their behavior. So why are you doing that? That's not okay. You're hurting me. Do you want to hurt me? Yeah. I mean, really, you're having this kind of a conversation with a toddler can they chime in can you can they really philosophize (laughs) yeah so and you know what sometimes I I even say okay so you're asking your child did you want to hurt me and really if they could answer they would say ah yeah (laughs) that was my intention I mean I get a reaction this is sort of fun for me I mean I don't know about you so yeah okay so let's not try and say these things to them. So you set boundaries very, very clearly and firmly mm-hmm. without diminishing who they are, without questioning um, and without shaming them. And then we place whatever the action is in the right um, sort of like channeling in the right direction to guide them, to mentor them, not to make them feel bad. So they change their behavior. Oh yeah. I see the rationalizing a lot. Um, and you know, the, the guilting, like, why would you hurt mommy or the fake fake crying? Like the adult, the adult will fake cry. And I think it's really important that we're talking about this because I, I agree with you completely. I think that's a, a thing that maybe parents will do thinking that would help, but no, I mean, it's very important that we understand child development and behavior in order to discipline a child, right. Or, or boundaries. If you don't know, child development and behavior, you're going to get more frustrated. You're, I mean, we all are going to get frustrated when our toddlers or children do certain things, but if you can understand, uh, you know, I always say, I don't want you to put yourself in their shoes because you can't, you can't do that with anyone, but understand what's going on with that toddler brain. And you said it perfectly at the beginning, right? You said that they have these big emotions. They are trying to figure out how to use their body and what this means. These primal instincts, like, well, I'm feeling a certain way. I'm just going to throw. I'm just going to hit. I'm gonna bite. It's not that they're trying to be bad. I don't think kids at this age, especially, are trying to do anything bad. They are literally trying to figure out, well, if I do X, Y, and Z, what's going to happen? 
okay, mommy laughed or mommy got upset. This is fun that we're playing this game. So I, I love it. I think it's so important that we understand. I know it's hard because I'm a toddler mom too <laughs> to get angry at our children. Like, but if you understand like, hey, this is what they're thinking and this is what they are not capable at this age of understanding, I think it can really help in communicating the skills. And I'm sure you agree that sometimes we try to talk to them and rationalize with the side of the brain that is not developed yet. Like, I mean, you can't rationalize with an 18-month-old. As much as you want want to, you can meet them emotionally and validate them because their emotions are like hyper wired, but you can't say, well, this is wrong because like they don't understand that. Is there any other errors you see in discipline? I know we're talking about biting, hitting, throwing, but I love this little segue um, because it's so important. Yes, absolutely. And you're very right. So this form of rationalizing that a lot of times parents do, and I can say, you know, advocating for parents, they're thinking they're doing the right thing. They're really trying to explain to their children. And I say, it gets lost. And now you're missing, you're missing out on really giving the right kind of guidance. And now you said what you said, but they did not actually receive it the way you want. So it's wasted on them. And so I want you to have the right intention, obviously, in a way to guide them, to mentor them, but not necessarily to rationalize as if you are both having the same kind of experience. And that's really where it comes from. Rationalizing requires a lot of experience. So when I'm explaining to my child that has very limited experience and also limited ability to foresee things, right? I'm going to do this and this will be the outcome, except for true cause and effect. I'm going to push this button and the jack in the box jumps out. Oh, I get that. And that's what I do. I keep pushing buttons and I see reactions, but that doesn't actually teach me what to do beyond that. So this is where we want to react, not from our emotions or state of mind, kind of that's not okay, why are you doing, but from their point of view. So that is number one. The other thing I think that happens often is parents use a lot of abstract language. So abstract language is a lot of these kind of words such as, this is dangerous, don't Mm. do that, that's not safe. So when, I mean, obviously we know exactly what we mean when we say that, but the pre-operational brain, the primal brain of a toddler doesn't actually understand these abstract concepts and abstract words. So when you say the word safe, can you point out to me what is safe? Can you show me what is safe or what is not safe? You Mm -hmm. can't. It's a concept that my brain has to understand once it's developed enough, once it acquired enough experience. And that's when it can, oh, I see what you mean. But right now, you can't. So you can say something like, whoa, that is so not safe. Let me show you why. Oh, yeah. If we drop it, it will break. Or if I, you know, if I, whatever, if I throw, yes, it's going to give me an hour. It's going to hurt. I can say that slightly, but for the most part, I just want to be much more clear, precise, definitive. So I set the right boundaries. I use my child, my toddler's point of view. I can see what it is that you want to do. Not okay to do it this way. Let me show you how you can do it. And here, now let's do this. There's a lot of throwing a toddler can do, right? There's a lot of 
pulling and pushing and biting even that they can do. There's a lot of that. Go ahead. Let's do all that we can do with those kind of actions that is positive and gives you the right kind of um, outlet. And let's just tell you what not to do clear, precisely, without shaming, guilting, and trying for you to understand me the way I understand me or life. Oh, couldn't agree more. I mean, one of the biggest things I tell my husband and also my patients is also the united front on how we're going to approach this, right? Because Ryan is 18 months and went through a throwing phase. You know, I do practice a lot of the stuff that you also talk about um, in terms of not, I don't yell, I don't, you know, sometimes you get upset, but more of the times I'm very firm with the boundary. I remove him from the situation, reiterate all the stuff that we're talking about. My husband on the other side, he gets upset when he gets hit or gets upset when things are thrown and he takes it a little more personally. So he yeah. responds, you know, he's like, don't hit me. Why are you hitting me? That hurt daddy. And Ryan hits him more than of he course. hits me. Right. And I think that's also an important concept because I'm like, but Ryan has learned that I've set that boundary. I'm like, I need you to trust me and follow through. He's like, but it's not fun when he get, when I get hit. I'm like, of course it's not. I'm not saying that it's right or that it means it's, it's good, but we're teaching Ryan, right? He's a toddler. He doesn't get it. So I think it's really important for parents and people listening to understand that try not to take it personally. I get it when our kids do things. It's hard because if an adult did that to you, you'd feel like, whoa, but it's them figuring out their environment and how things work more so than them trying to be a bad kid, right? Like we talked about. And if you can have a united front with how you discipline, you're going to start to see those changes. And once my husband listened to me, of course, the behavior started to go away because he's yes. like, oh man, this is not, we're not, I'm not getting anywhere with this. And I showed my husband, I'm like, watch, Literally in front of his eyes, he saw how we were able to redirect him. But it won't change unless we are consistent, persistent, and truly patient with ourselves and understand that it's okay. It's not going to be one time. It's not going to be like you tell them one time and the throwing is going to stop tomorrow. It's patience. They are going to get it with the repetition for sure. True. And yeah. especially if you allow them, actually, you know what, Ryan, look, we can throw here mm -hmm. the, the ball, the bean bags. Look at that. You're so good at that. Of course, come on, throw it. And so on. if we promote the action and give them that kind of outlet, there's no need for them to misuse it in any other situation, because we can also use that later. Like he's trying to throw now something again. You're like, no, uh, -uh remember this we can't, but because now you also build memory and you mm -hmm. build an experience that they can rely on rather than just say sort of like stuff that doesn't make sense to them because they haven't experienced it. So oh, very true. Yeah. It's oh, important. this is so great. I, I love talking to you. I, I could talk about child development behavior forever. I think people who <laughs> listen to my podcast know that I love this stuff. I think it's so great. Like two people who are passionate about children and their development <laughs> and teaching parents. It's so fun. Uh, Dr. Siggy, I just love it. Um, so I'm going to attach your website to my show notes, which is drsiggy.com, as well as your Instagram handle. I know you have some courses, but before we talk about um, a little bit more about where people can find you, what would be your final message to everyone listening today? I think that you, you actually said that when you understand child development, your responses are so different. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that you're allowing your children to act and be however they want in all the inappropriate ways. Not at all. It only means that you understand where they're coming from and you can channel, you can guide, you can steer them in the right direction. So I say, Learn child development because it truly will help you 
understand how to respond to your child, not take it so personally all the time. They're not doing it to you. They're doing it, yes, to you because you're there, Mm -hmm. but it's not so personal to you all the time. And of course, not when they're so young, but you are their sounding board. You are the one that they're going to throw everything against in order to see how it bounces. So if you understand that, you can truly guide them so much better and have a better experience as a parent rather than um, being so triggered all the time by their behaviors or misbehaviors. Oh, thank you so much. And tell me a little bit more about the course that you have. I know you have a course. Again, it's going to be on your website and I'll attach the Instagram handle as well. But what can people find from that course? The course that I have right now deals with toddlers in particular, and it goes into exactly what we were just talking about in much more detail. So it explains, it gives examples, it walks you through exactly what to do. It's me talking. These are video clips that you can watch, but there's also, as we call them, cheat sheets that you can download afterwards with all the important points, and you can have it in front of you, whether on the refrigerator or just wherever you want on your phone. Um, And the course takes you through all the elements of toddlerhood that you know if you have a toddler you're struggling with. It also gives you an idea of who I am and how the kind of work that I'm doing and my approach. And so it builds on to the next course that hopefully we will have in a few months, which will be on um, the what we call the preschool age, which is the three to six year olds. Wonderful. And I know I'll have you back on again more and more. We could, like I said, we've had so many discussions on topics that we can do. Everyone, make sure you follow Dr. Siggy on Instagram at Dr. So D-R dot S-I-G-G-I-E. And again, that's on my show notes. And thanks again for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review. Share this episode with a friend. Share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.